This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. So a couple of headaches there, but they're nice headaches, of course. And the important thing is that we come up with a with a balanced team now to, to win this next test match uh, and bounce back after uh, what happened in Leeds. Well, of, of course, uh, the area up the top is, is um, not so much concerning. Uh, it's been difficult for both teams up the top of the order, so once again, that's an area we'll be looking at. Mitchell Marsh has certainly given us a, a good option today. Uh, all players are in contention, I must say. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel, and joining me from England to preview the fourth Ashes Test is the Chief Cricket Writer for the Australian, Peter Lawler. Pete, how are you travelling? Greetings from Derbyshire, Bennett. Going pretty well, going pretty well. You know, in a bit of a holding pattern between tests, but uh, Derbyshire's a nice little spot. We're all staying up the road at Nottingham which is also a very nice little town, home of Rodden, Robin Hood, isn't it? And Brian Clough, I might add. Absolutely. So, so Pete, this break's actually good for the Australian team, isn't it? After sort of a, a harrowing um, loss last week, this is kind of a good little break for them, you would think? Yeah, I think so. I, I'd say it would be a good little break if they didn't have a cricket game in the middle of it. I think this, this cricket game sort of uh, proved to be very sort of supernumerary in the scheme of things. You use a game like this if you need to tune somebody up for the next test. But I don't think they've got... I don't think anyone's in that category or bracket. I think probably they could just as easily have called this off. It's the only good that this test has done, really, is to give uh, Mitch Marsh and Michael Neeser a chance to blow out the cobwebs. Apart from that, it's kind of... A contractual obligation, I reckon. Well, um, Steve Smith seemed to think so. He got himself out so he could get back in the nets, which is a a sad indictment of the uh, standard of the Derbyshire attack. But, Pete, how's Smudge looking? How's Smith looking? Ah, indomitable. Couldn't believe it. He fronted up the other day and chatted to us. His confidence was stunning, to be honest with you. Not flustered, not fussed, getting on with it. Someone, someone said to him, oh, no, you're going to have to change things in your preparation for Joffrey Archer. And he was offended by the question, which I like. No, I'm not really going to change anything. It's been a bit of talk, but he's got the wood over me, but he actually hasn't got me out. So hit me in the head on a wicket that was a bit up and down at, um, at Lord's on, yeah. So he actually didn't get me out, yeah. Why would I do that? The bloke hasn't got me out. He's knocked me out, but he hasn't got me out. So I like that. Yeah. I think he's really up for this contest. I think like all champions, 
they want to be tested, and he wants to be tested against Chopra Archer. So it's going to be great, isn't it? It's kind of like the second comeback of Steve Smith in the space of four tests. In fact, probably the third, if you count, coming back onto the field after getting knocked out. So yeah, the drama around Steve Smith has been uh, enormous in this series. In fact, in the last 18 months, it, uh, he's an impressive cricketer. Yeah, um, I think Tim Payne missed Smith's help on the field on that last day at Headingley. Tell me, I haven't spoken to you since the, the third test, the epic loss for Australia. I mean, can you just encapsulate what it was like on that last day? Because on the television it seemed something, but I can imagine being there was an experience. It's kind of uh, a nervous overload being at matches like that. It's incredible. I mean, to a degree, we're a little bit cut off because press boxes in England have sealed windows. So you, you see the reaction of the crowd and you hear it muffled through the glass. But I'll never forget some of Stokes' sixes sort of being hit up and into the crowd. And it was like dropping a rock in a pond, like the people around the ball would just rise up, like screaming. And it was an incredible, incredible day of cricket. Times that I had to like start looking at videos <laughs> to distract myself. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> it's like the World Cup, actually. I felt exactly the same in the World Cup. I think with four overs to go in the World Cup, I thought, I'm having palpitations here. And what was it like in the press box when England won? Did even the normally emotionless English press actually crack and cheer, or were they still... Um, you know, hiding their emotions. Look, I think I think everybody in that press box got swept up in you the enormity so. of it and just the achievement. Yeah, the achievement of uh, Stokes. I mean, you'd have to you'd have to be an idiot not to really enjoy what Stokes did and what he accomplished. I mean, tinge of disappointment if you're an Australian, but. Uh, you know, you just witness something very, very. Strange. Yeah, I heard you um speaking on the radio this week, and you said that the Aussie team's still been, you know, pretty up and happy considering uh, the loss. They're, they're still a pretty positive unit. Is that still the message you're getting? Um, striking how quickly they recovered from it, and how little of it they apparently have taken on. You, the first sign of it was when Payne fronted to the presser, spoke evenly, sensibly. Bad loss, disappointed, made some mistakes, one all. We'll take one all. Uh, we lost half an hour of that test match. Uh, you don't win cricket on emotions. You win it on your skill. We've got to get back to our skill. I saw him and the entire team the next morning in a cafe, Lane's Cafe, if ever you're in Leeds. Fantastic place. L-A-Y-N-E-S. Almost as good as your cafe, Manage. Um Thank you. And you would have thought that they'd won the test. They were... Uh, up, happy, bubbly group of players, and not inappropriately so. And they've been like that since I've seen them. There's, there's a good vibe in this group. It's as good as the vibe that was in the World Cup group. Who said it the other day? Nathan Lyon. He's played 90 tests. He said, I've never been in a group of players that have a better feeling among themselves than this one. They're not empty words because I, I can see the same thing about them. They enjoy each other's company. They're enjoying their cricket. They're taking England on. They're playing some good cricket, and they know they can play better cricket too. So, yeah, it's a really positive group. And, and a lot of it is down to Tim Payne. Tim Payne, I don't know if you read his column in the, in the News Corp papers today, but uh, it was excellent. He went into that shower. He went off the field after sort of shaking hands, into the shower. He said, five minutes by myself to deal with the emotion of it. He says, 
not gonna, I'm not going to lie. You're a little bit emotional after a loss like that. But wash, let it out, think it through, walks out, sees the look on the faces of the blokes. They're all a bit disappointed. And he talks to them. And, he, and I've just been speaking to someone else who was in the room. They said, it was an amazing address. Guys, we got a couple of things wrong that last hour. That was a great test match. It took one of the great innings to beat us. We're one all in the series. We're playing better cricket. Don't worry about it. Said, you know, England don't get to pack momentum in their kit bag and take it to Manchester. We take our skills to Manchester, the same skills that have probably made us, you know, the better team for a lot of this series. So he's a good, steady captain. I know he could be performing better on the field, but he he ticks a lot of boxes in leadership terms. Yeah, there has been a bit of criticism of his leadership on that last day. Few people even, you know, questioning whether Carey should take the gloves soon or Matthew Wade takes the gloves. Yeah, I think they're criticising his captaincy and his like, tactics on that last day. And that's fair enough. And he admits it too. He said, I had a look at the replay and thought, yeah, I've probably got some of those fields wrong and some of those tactics wrong. But uh, if anyone is ever captain at cricket, Anyone who's ever played any sport knows how how random those things can be, and how when you got a guy like Stokes batting like that, sometimes it's just you just don't know, do you? No, <laughs> no, anything can happen. But I, yeah. I guess I guess it does come down to sort of the the long standing notion that wicket keepers can't be sort of long term captains because it's just too much mm. to worry about. But look, it's what do you think about Payne? Like. If he were to go on and retain the Ashes, do you think there's any chance he just pulls the pin at the oval and says, I'll go out on top? Possible. Possible. Yeah. And I think I, I want to say just one more thing about captaincy and leadership. After the second day at Leeds, every single newspaper, every commentator, every pundit was questioning Joe Root's captaincy and his ability to lead that team and questioning the place that England cricket was in. Two days later... Suddenly they're questioning Tim Payne. It's a very fickle business. You need to be aware of that. Sorry, what was the question? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Do you think he could pull the yeah. pin at the Oval if, if Australia retained the Ashes? Mate, I reckon, um, I reckon Cricket Australia board would probably uh, faint mm. at the thought of that. Where does that leave Australian cricket? I mean, who's going to captain if you don't have Tim for the summer? Uh, um, whether you want him or not, at least if he captains through the summer... Uh, you have the option of bringing Smith back. Yeah, I think that's the ideal scenario. Yeah, and I mean, you don't want your captaincy to be like prime ministerships where you change it every couple of weeks. But, mm. um, so, or at least cricket, Australian cricket never has. Maybe it will. Maybe it will just pick a team and appoint whoever the best player is and change the notion of captaincy in Australia. But I think that's pretty unlikely. Yeah. So I think they're going to want him to stay through the summer. So they're going to want him to start making runs, which I, I think is the third element of his job, making runs. The first is to be a wicketkeeper. The second is to be the captain and the leader. Or, you know, you can alternate them from first and second, but making runs is the third thing on his checklist. I don't think Kerry's ready for Test cricket either, by the way. I think he's, I don't think he was that good in the World Cup. No. Yeah. I think Peter Neville's actually the second best keeper in Australia at the moment, by a long way. You're probably, I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. But, anyway, uh, so. He doesn't seem to get mentioned in dispatches. No, he? too nice. He was too nice anyway. Um, all right. So, you know, Australia obviously could have easily been rattled by being so close to retaining the Ashes, but from your, all reports, you're saying they're looking pretty good. So that's a good sign. But my concern is how. 
how do you think this affects England, that win? Because, you know, if they all lift 10% on the back of that win, that, that becomes a pretty formidable opponent for Australia because they're pretty closely matched at the moment. So, you know, do you think that win could be a big boost for the Poms? I mean, what did you see from them sort of in the, in the aftermath of it? Yeah, good question, good question. It was one player, wasn't it? It was one innings. I mean, some of the others chipped in with a bit here and there, but it's the same team that made 76 the previous innings. I think they'll feel a bit more cocky now that they know Stokes he's up and about. And I'll, fingers crossed he'll keep doing that for them. And they've got Joffre Archer. Yeah, I think it's good for them. It's great for the series. I mean, it, the series was feeling flat in the second day at least, but it just felt like the competition was over. Felt like England were done. So, you know, no matter how Australian you are, I mean, it'd be great to see this go down to the last test. No, 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 no. It'd be an all-time classic series. It has the potential to be an all-time classic series. Yeah. I want Australia to win the next test, 2-1. I'd be happy with that. Go to the Oval, ashes in the bag, series on the line. Uh, That's a good one for me. I hear you on that. I hear you. I hear you. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's a few big decisions for the Australian selectors to make. Steve Smith comes back. Yeah. They can't drop Manus Lobashane, the new pest in the Australian cricket team. But so, you know, does it come? Oh, great to have you on board, Manus. Great to have you on board. Well, well, I'm a, I'm a Manus convert. I'm a Manus convert. Like, you yeah. know, I'm, well I'm, you yeah. can read me like a book, though. If you come on the podcast as a guest, I'm all of a sudden on side. So it's, you know, it's a pretty easy one. So look, you've got Usman Khawaja, Marcus Harris, maybe Matt Wade, all in in possible jeopardy of uh, missing out on the next test. Any any inkling which way you think they'll go? Uh, timing's bad. Marcus just walked past me in the corridor. Uh, I'll just wait till he gets out of the way. Um, my gut feel, well, my gut feel is is Marcus Harris or Usman Khawaja that they're looking at, and. I, if it was down to me, I'd probably drop Marcus, you know, first in, first out basis. But there, there's concerns around Osman and his form in this series and the way he's going. And I've got a st- doesn't look great at the crease. Yeah, I've got yeah. a stat for you about Usman Khawaja. His batting average since January 2017 at test level is 35. Yeah. So that, that's that's almost three years of, um, you know, pretty mediocre returns. Yeah, that's a long time, isn't it? That's a long time, but I suppose one thing he brings with him is that he has made runs at test level and is an experienced test player. And does that count more for than what Marcus Harris has got? Cracker Holmes will be earning his money on that one. Yeah, good one. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad he didn't say Matt Wade because I, I hope he he sticks in there. I just think his his hundred at, at Edgbaston's underrated. I mean, he he came in and he sort of took the attack to the Poms, and and when he'd finished with them, they were gone. Yeah, yeah, and it was perfectly set up for him, and that's 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 how they want to use him, isn't it? But uh, it, he hasn't always come in in those situations. But I agree with you. Stick with him. He's a player who's made a lot of runs recently, so they don't just don't disappear. Like Marnus. Marnus is a guy who's just making runs, you know. Yeah. Well, it doesn't but, stop it. But, but yeah. it's no fluke what Marnus is doing. I, I was speaking on the radio before, and he's like, Marnus has been in England playing cricket for the last five, six months. I mean, he's as seasoned as anybody there, probably more seasoned than some of the Pommy players playing. So, I mean, it's no fluke he's doing well. It's 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 a pretty simple formula. Get over there, play county cricket, and you're ready. Well, uh, I'd count, well, that has worked for him, 
but it hasn't worked for Cameron Bancroft, who's mm. been over and doing the same thing. But I agree with you. I mean, you've got to get over here and play here to understand how to play here. And I reckon he's 20% better player than when I saw him last in Australia. Yeah. He's a gun. I, I just got to find a way for him to be in the Australian Test team for the next 10 years. <laughs> All right. So what about the bowlers? So the last um, test we saw Cummins, Hazelwood and Pattinson, uh, there was some talk that maybe it was a bit samey. Hazelwood bowled the house down. Paddy Cummins did. Uh, Pat, Pattinson was a bit flat. Unrecognised, wasn't it? Unrecognised how good Hoff was. Nine wickets. Four wickets in the first. Yeah, and some of his bowling at the start of that second spell, uh, second inning, sorry, was just outstanding. So, so what do you think they'll do, Starkey? Will they get? Will they unleash the the beast on on England? No, no, no. Nah, can't see it happening. No, cannot see it happening. You struggle to see Starkey playing a Test match unless things change. I think they would have had would have been looking at bringing Siddle into this. I, I wonder whether that changes because he's just had to play here because they didn't have enough bodies. But I think that might be the only change they're looking at, bringing a suit in. Hazelwood's going nowhere. I don't reckon Cummins is going anywhere either. Yeah, that's fair enough. I always find the fast bowlers a hard one because unless you're really close to them, you don't know how they're feeling. But, but I think I think Pattinson might be worth one more crack. I mean, I'd rather take Pattinson than Siddle 10 times a day. I mean, yeah, Pattinson's got that X factor. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Absolutely. Uh, I guess it depends how they're feeling. We don't know that, do we? Uh, how their body's feeling and what the wicket's going to be like when we actually get up to that. I get the feeling this is a hard conversation because it sounds like you're outside the Aussie dressing room or something. <laughs> But what, England's uh, massive blow yesterday, James Anderson ruled out for the rest of the series. How's that been received over in England? Because, uh, you know, that could be potentially the end of his career. Yeah, it could potentially be that, couldn't it? Um, I couldn't see how I thought. 37, isn't he, Menace? 37-year-old bloke who gets a second calf strain at the start of the series could even be considered for the rest of the series. Those calf strains are, can be minor but persistent. And uh, my impression is they happen to people at that age. If you watch Aussie rules football, I know it's the curse of the older player. Yeah, yeah, shame. I think I'd like to have seen him play so that England are at full strength. Uh, it's been an incredible servant of English cricket, hasn't he? Played for just so long. But, yeah, I, I, he becomes hard, a little harder to pick, doesn't he, now? Because you're always a little bit concerned that he's going to break down again on you. And you can't have a situation like you did in that first test. Yeah. And he just reached that stage where, you know, the, the reliable family car isn't as reliable as it has once been, you know. might be time to get another one. It's a yeah. blow for this series because Anderson can bowl the sort of peach of a delivery that will get a Steve Smith out. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> he's a great bowler if he's up and about. I mean, pretty good, good bowler one and a half leagues, but... Uh, yeah. All right. Well, last one. How's Warner? Last question. Yeah. How's Warner Watch going? He took some great <laughs> catches. Great catches in first slip. You know, gutsy sixty in the first innings could have been the difference. How's he going? Uh, I don't know how a bloke like him takes those catches. Six, wasn't it at first slip? He's got Donald Trump hands. <laughs> His fingers finish at where everyone else's knuckles are. Uh, so how he hangs onto a ball is extraordinary. And he could be prime minister. He could be. He could be prime minister. So, <laughs> president. Oh God, that'd be just what we need. Oh, look, he's going well. He needs runs though, doesn't he? So, uh, hasn't had a great tour yet, but 
He's got four innings left in it. So fingers crossed he comes good. And I think that's what Australia does. You know, when he comes good, he'll win them a test match. Or if he comes good. Well, Pete, thank you uh, for jumping on to get us ready for the fourth Ashes test. Enjoy the trip to Old Trafford. Uh, don't let those poms get you down. And uh, hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Good to chat, Manners. That was Pete Lawler, Chief Cricket Writer for The Australian. And that's it for this episode of Cricket Unfiltered. Remember, you can keep up with all the action in the fourth Ashes Test at dailytelegraph.com.au or your local News Corp newspaper, Herald Sun, Courier Mail, Adelaide Advertiser. There'll be extensive coverage of the Ashes all there when you get up every morning. Okay, so uh, coming up next episode, I've got a feature interview with Meg Lanning. I've been teasing that for a while now. And, uh, yeah, that's it for this edition of Cricket Unfiltered. I've been your host, Andrew Mensel, and uh, I'll be back soon with another podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.